And welcome to AFL Rewind, a look back at all things arena football, brought to you by Phenom Elite. I am your host, Tim Capper, along with my gentleman of gentlemen, John Stark, Woo-wee! and Ben Fretchinale. <coughs> what up, what up? Welcome, guys. What's you uh, know what's insane right now? What's that? Is like John and I are in the same room. Which I know. Is just- Wild style. Well, that's a first. That's a first. That's a first for for podcasts. I am in Maryland. I don't want to give away your town. The state of Maryland. Visiting John in his home. We're sharing a microphone. It's very intimate. Um, Tim, we're, we wish you were here. Our we cables all, are even crossed. Our cables are crossed, as they say in the industry. You're not supposed to cross the cables. No, no. Yeah. They advise you to not. But <laughs> we're rule breakers. All right. Well, we are back, back in the mix. Yes. Um, Tim, you want to go ahead and explain what the yeah, hell we're doing? And, and it's a, and a I very, thought this league was done, Tim. Yeah, and, and it's and it's in a, a very different way than what are the uh, what the AFL Tonight podcast was about. Um, but AFL Rewind will be a a look, not necessarily a weekly look, but it will be a look back at the Arena Football League. Whether you are a player, whether you are an executive, whether you were a coach, we want to be able to bring you interviews and stories from across the Arena Football League. And you could have, been, you could have played in 2019. You could have played in 1987, you know, in 2000. We want to hear your stories, and we hope to bring you, the fans, along with us. Because uh, with un- the unfortunate demise of the Arena Football League, we want to make sure that the stories are heard and that uh, the history is remembered for what it was. Not necessarily a league that got into trouble X amount of times, but just the stories that happened on the field and off the field. And uh, that, that's, that's our goal. That's what our goal is going to be. So um, get, get, I don't think we can, I don't think I can explain it any more than, than just that, right? Yeah, and um, maybe this segues quite naturally into the other historical endeavor we've undertook yes. that ties directly into this podcast, which is that we have valiantly brought back and bravely brought back the Arena Football Hall of Fame. Yes, and it it was a uh, it was. And you had like sound effects after that, like yeah, like, like the fireworks yeah, yeah. Off and a round of applause. But it's an endeavor that we took up. I think the idea popped basically into our heads almost when, when the possible rumor of the league folding. It's something we wanted to bring back because you know the last class was back in 2014, and we are lucky. We were lucky enough, first and foremost, to have the help that we were. Um, uh, through Ben for uh for from FAI uh, graphics design to help with the logo, that was a very interesting. Uh, I've never done that before. Actually, going through all those options that we had to choose from and deciding what colors and et cetera that we wanted to go with, and um, we we couldn't have done it without them. And we really greatly appreciate uh, their help and uh, um, doing it for what they did. It, it really was a. a a fun process and that video dude that that sizzle reel that you guys came up with or you came up with ben was yeah absolutely amazing yeah if you guys haven't checked this out um you you should go ahead and where can they find that tim uh it is over on the uh, the arena fan youtube page i think that's a uh, arena fan dot arena fan i think it's at, at slash arena fan you can see it all of our social media accounts uh including uh at arena fan facebook page is slash arena fan um, you can see it over on our Instagram, which I think is Arena Fan Online, and okay, also so everywhere. Yeah, and also the newer accounts too, which we have to at least give a plug to. 
uh, is over at the new Hall of Fame Twitter account, and that is at Arena H-O-F. And we are also thrilled to be collaborating with Phenom Elite on this endeavor. Um, they will be the official clothing provider of the Arena Football Hall of Fame. And on top of their wardrobe, which are going to make us you know, be looking real fly of with course. our logo, with the logo we love, uh, we'll also be having pins and some other goodies that will be both available to the public and some exclusively for inductees of of the AFL Hall of Fame yeah. or Arena Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. And there will be more things that are, that will be announced shortly once uh, once everything, uh, you know, all the T's have been crowded, cr- crossed and the I's have been dotted. Um, but just keep, uh, keep a look on our social media uh, for all that information. And one thing we have to at least uh, mention also, guys, because uh, we don't have an official ad for it as of yet, if you want to be able to not only listen to this podcast early, if you not only want to be able to be listed as a producer of this podcast, or if you want to go beyond that, if you want to become an actual member, an honorary member of the Hall of Fame um, selection committee, you can head over to our Patreon account, which, where we have two different tiers, which are, are pretty, pretty reasonable, where you can see all the different uh, perks that we are going to be giving to you. If you head over to uh, it's www.patreon.com slash AF Hall of Fame. And as I said, there, there are quite a few perks there where we'll be, we'll be able to, uh, to join the uh, uh, be, a, be a Hall of Famer. Be a, be a Hall of Famer. I, I, I'd love to be in the Hall of Fame. We'll see, Tim. I mean, you know, we're the ones voting. I don't know if you've proved yourselves yet. Uh, just, you know, your people to my people, okay? Just let me know. Yeah, sure. I'll yeah, we'll that Hall of Fame is so AF. Yeah, it is I tell AF. You, I tell you. And also the new Hall of, the Hall of Fame webpage also. That is at arenafootballhof.com. I tell you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's as I said, it, this is uh, not necessarily going to be a weekly series. Um, but I mean, if you want to suggest on somebody that we may want to talk to or get in touch of, touch with, let us know. Uh, send me an email at uh, tim.capper at arenafan.com. And uh, uh, whoever it may be, we want to we want to be able to hear these stories. So uh, put some good thought into it, and and, and let us know who you want to speak with. Uh, with this this episode is a ten year vet of the Arena Football League, played with Dallas and Philadelphia. You know him as the Red Rocket, Dan Radabaugh. Hey Dan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, hey guys, hey thanks for having me. Uh, big privilege to to get to be on the first one, and uh, good to hear from you guys again. Uh, I think it's been a long time that we we've actually spoken with you when it comes to one of the pods or whatnot. But um, give us give us a sort of an idea of what it was like uh, getting drafted or sorry getting picked up uh, by the Desperados that for that first year in 2010. What was it like being a uh, a raw rookie in the AFL? Oh yeah, okay. So with the vigilantes, it, it yes. was in 2010. Yes, uh, I snuck on the roster the last uh, about six weeks of the season. Uh, I, I got a job from uh, my boss at the moving company was actually uh, helping out assistant coaching for the uh, vigilantes, Eric Anderson. He's actually a former player way back when, uh, I believe with Pittsburgh and Detroit way back when. And, uh, I told him I could play a little ball and he said, all right, why don't you come on out to practice? And, uh, I didn't know too much about arena football. It was, uh, that 2010 year Dallas was, was struggling a little bit and, I came out to practice, threw the ball around a little bit. They gave me a contract, and 
I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday. Next thing you know, I'm traveling. We got a game against Oklahoma City. <laughs> and uh, I was trying to figure out how to, to keep the motion man on side still at practice. But uh, <laughs> it was fun. You know, there was a, a lot of good veterans on that team. Uh, Phil Bogle was actually playing on that team. Um, Larry Brackens, Derek Lee, uh, Shane Stafford was actually the original starting quarterback but had got hurt but was helping out coaching. Uh, Will Pettis was on that team. I'm trying to think. Duke John was on that team. Yeah, there was a, a lot of uh, Eddie Desperados carryovers. Yeah, and just AFL. They, you know, they uh, they had ownership from uh, I believe it was Woody Kern, a former Tampa Bay owner, and you know he had uh, he was able to get some some former AFL guys in town. But boy, they couldn't piece it together. So those first few weeks, uh, you know, I was fresh out of college. My head was spinning. I was like, man, this is professional arena football. This is kind of crazy. And then uh, we had gotten gotten the brakes beat off us a couple weeks in a row, and then we beat Chicago in an overtime game. And Chicago was really talented that year. I believe they had Mikna, and uh, we beat them in overtime. And I remember sitting on the bus by Bogle. I said, man, I feel like we just won the Super Bowl. He said, shut up, rookie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. God, that's awesome. Being and, a rookie, uh, were you yeah, was, being in professional football for the first time? I mean, were you hazed as a rookie or anything like that? Did they, did the team, did the other, you know, the longtime veterans kind of take you under their wing, or or was it a, a trial by fire type of thing being a rookie? It, I mean, for for me, you know, because I I got on towards the end of the season, I didn't have to go through camp. I think if I'd have gone through camp, I probably would have got hazed a little bit. But I mean, I was this backup quarterback that. You know, didn't know what I was doing. No one was paying me any attention. I was just trying to make sure I gave a good look on scout team and, uh, you know, stay in my lane. I, I, I do remember I always sat by Bogle on the bus in, in a row right behind him and just tried to soak up uh, anything, any info from him. You know, he, he always carried himself like a pro. And, uh, you know, once I, I got in that game, I got I got to start the last game at the Bozier City Battle Wings. Think of that. There's two teams that, that went defunct pretty quick. But, uh, <laughs> hey, I, I don't know if I've played against more teams that, you know, have folded and, and disappeared like or moved or. Oh, yeah. And we got to check but, uh, that on the numbers. I'll do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, they, they took it pretty easy on me. And uh, when I got I got to play that last game, and, you know, I still didn't know what I was doing, but I played pretty well and we won. I remember those vets. Uh, they were happy that we were able to to go out on a, on a, on a high note. I think that we finished three and thirteen or something in that last game. We we beat Bozier and they were struggling too. But you know those vets who have played before they, they, to get to to see them win, and a lot of them didn't didn't play again after that. So I got to throw Bogle his last touchdown, and then uh, you know wow. that was special a special memory we had because we you know I coached and played with him in Philly for a long time. So. It, you know, that's kind of where it started. That's my first buddy, but uh, I'm glad they didn't haze me. I'm glad they didn't go to camp because it sounded like it was a long year. <laughs> <laughs> you did quite well, too, in that last game. You weren't a slouch at all. I mean, you were 22 of 29. You had 311 yards, eight touchdowns, one pick. Um, I mean, yeah, I remember just about every play. Coach Fuller, James Fuller, uh, was uh, the interim coach, and he was calling the plays. And I don't think he'd had too much experience calling offensive plays, too, so it was – a rookie who's never played in his first game, and then Coach Fuller, and we're over there drawing stuff up on the, on his little, you know, his his, his play sheet over there. He's like, tell him to do this and him do that. Next thing you know, I got Kenny Henderson running down the middle of the field uncovered. Hey, that's easy, you know. <laughs> I remember Clint called me in the off season after he got the head job. He goes, hey, I saw the game you played. We'll invite you to camp, see what you got. 
<laughs> so uh, that's how that, all that started up. Was it an easy transition at all, Dan? I mean, as I said, raw rookie. To the arena game? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a little bit. You know, I pride myself on being able to, you know, always have all the throws in the bag, you know, the little touch ball. The, I always felt like I had a pretty strong arm in the outdoor game. And then, you know, being able to adapt to the quickness of this, of this stuff, I, I felt like I was able to pick it up pretty quick. But the actual understanding why, where, and how to do things, no, nah, man, that took, that took a long time. And I was lucky. I had the best teacher, you know, out there to help me. And, you know, you, you hit a point where you start to, it starts to slow down, but it wasn't for a few years. Yeah, yeah. It's- so, Dan, a little bit further along, tell me, tell me one of your most memorable moments with the Philadelphia Soul. Uh, when we beat Arizona in the championship, that's my favorite moment. <laughs> uh, but I mean, some some of those memorable mo- moments. I mean, I can st- remember sitting out there after we lost to Arizona in those first two championships. And I mean, I remember Seth Bonner came up to me after we lost the first one, and he said, "Why don't you just stick around and watch for a minute?" And he said, "Just remember what it feels like." And I, you know, I took that to heart, especially because Seth played for the Rattlers for you know ninety nine percent of his mm-hmm. career. I thought I I, I, I took that. You know, as a, you know, I, I took it as a lesson, and uh, you know, it took us a couple of years to get them back, but we got them. I'm sure. But, uh, everyone I always mean, says you remember the losses in like a championship game much more than the wins. Is that when you look back on it? Is that what you come out with, or are you sort of just like riding on those wins? Uh, I mean, in the big ones, I mean, you remember every play of the big ones, win, lose, right. or draw. But uh, I mean, I remember. Luckily, we won a lot more than we lost. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, it's easier for me to say that you know you remember those wins but i think as a true competitor you know I, you almost have to you know the good ones you, you got to hate losing more than you like winning right and uh i mean i can remember coming home on some of those bus trips you know after a game like we played in cleveland you know i had an eight-hour bus ride on the way home and I remember having a not so great game, and it was pretty long bus ride back. Oh. But being able to ride on the bus and have someone like, you know, Coach Dozell, who he he gets it, he plays the position, he knows they're not all great, and he would yeah. sit there and we'd talk about it for a while. And uh, but then I remember too, you know, we go down there and have a great game in Florida. You know, you stay in Florida for a week and you beat up on Orlando and Tampa in a week. It's a good week. You remember those things with the, right, with the right. guys. <laughs> yeah, hey, let's go to Florida in uh, early March. It's, it's still a little chilly in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you talk about all the different you know t- cities that you mentioned there. Was there any particular place, uh, Dan, that you love to play the most? Uh, obviously, uh, away from being home. Uh, not being at home, but a place you love to play the most and the place you hated to play the most? Uh, man, I loved going into arenas when they were rocking. Like, I remember playing in Jacksonville and, uh, in 2011 when they were really hot, and we beat them. And that was the, the first time I got an experience. Like, whoa, this is awesome. I think there were 15,000 people there. And I was my, it was my first full year as a, as a starter, and we went down there. And I said, man, how come we can't get the arena packed up like this? <laughs> and we played a couple of conference championship games there and stuff. And I remember it really be rocking. You go down there in Jacksonville, uh, Arizona always had a lively bunch. I, I, that was never my favorite spot to play, but, uh, I don't know. The, the Baltimore was never fun. And I know it's pretty, pretty recent, but I thought just the whole Baltimore experience was never very good. The, the arena wasn't great. Nobody there. The music, they crank the music when you're in the huddle and for the 17 people in the crowd, like that one was, 
was never my favorite, but you, you think back to some of the smaller spots, you know, uh, it was fun to go to, to Iowa and, uh, you know, when they could get it going, the, the, that was fun stuff. And I mean, I like playing in Dallas too. The, uh, you know, that was a good, good thing. It was in, in front of my mom and dad my first year, you know, I was still able to work a job and, and play. So I thought that was pretty cool, but, uh, I had a blast, man. Everywhere, each different spot had its own little, little nuance, little, little you know, little quirk about it that made it great. So, uh, I wish I could have kept some of them teams around for a little longer. You know, they turned into a little bus league there, but uh, those trips were, were fun, and we'll never forget them. Now, obviously, I think since we this is not necessarily because it is the first show, but it's because you've been involved with the league for as long as you have, and I think we, I think it's fair to ask this question, and I hope the guys will agree with me. And, and when I ask this, but what? In your opinion, Dan, what do mm-hmm. you think? Uh, uh, what was the demise of the AFL? What caused it to collapse? Well, I mean, Dan, you know that comes down to probably guys writing checks or not writing checks. You know, I, I can't, I don't know exactly what it was. It's definitely the business model. They couldn't figure out how to to, to generate enough revenue. I don't know yeah. whether that you know it wasn't on TV or it wasn't a marketable product. I mean. I remember uh, uh, one of the mottos for the 2011 Vigilantes team I was on. They would always post it on their social media and stuff. It it was, you got to see it live. Because ask someone who ever went to an arena football game if they didn't have a blast, right? Yeah. And I think that was the problem was just getting people in the door. And I mean, yeah. you got you to gotta spread the word. You know, it, it's got to be on the radio. It's got to be on TV. It's got to be, you know, there's got to be some hype uh, stirred up around town way before and i think these last few years you know they weren't marketing enough or if a team popped up it, it only had a few months to to really generate you know the the energy needed to to push a football team into a successful position and you know you still see it in some of these other leagues but i hope it, it, it i hope it can work you know it, it's such a great game and uh you know if it really came comes down to it, i mean it was are people willing to keep putting on the putting the show on keep keep funding the the game without anybody, you know, paying to come see it. So yeah. it's sad. I, I hope they can get it going. It was, a, it was a beautiful thing, and it opened a lot of doors for me. But uh, it'll come back, man. Have faith. Some, someone will buy it. Some, something will crank back up. It's it, it's the hope. You know, it's mm-hmm. so many, you know, 33, 33 years, 20, 32 seasons. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, you know, what was it, what was it guys? Second longest running? football yeah. league in in, uh, in america in, in, no, yeah, in, in US, america in the u.s yeah, yeah. So. and we're not counting the cfl because they're up there on the hat yeah <laughs> america's hat tim capper cap yeah oh, well, they've got yeah. 130 the only only yeah cfl is like 400 years old <laughs> cfl was playing like when the native americans were still down here <laughs> but yeah no i totally agree i think the I mean, it's tough. I mean, we're all dealing with it, obviously. I mean, I'm glad. Yeah, what do you guys think happened? I mean, I've read a bunch of stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, my opinion is, I mean, I've been around the league since, you know, back when it was on, like, NBC and stuff. So I've sort of seen Mm -hmm. the gambit of the attention it got, the national stage it was on. And, like, that obviously, I think, worked to a degree. I mean, people were getting paid crazy amounts of money, and that wasn't gonna work out long term but there was a time when the afl was so widely recognized as a thing in the u.s like a sport and a thing to go to in your local city that was obviously huge but when the league recently bought the teams i mean we had the commission on a couple times where he like explicitly said having people at the games wasn't his priority and 
I just Doesn't that, that sound weird. It's hits. It, yeah, it sounds yeah. weird to me. Like that seems like the only thing you should be focused on when it comes to a league like this, where the people in the seats, the communities, like that's what's driving the league. And I felt the league was always slowly getting away from that because they thought this national brand was more important than, you know, a city like Albany that could drum up this local community to go crazy. Man, Albany it. came back in yeah. the second they announced it, Albany was jamming. That was, was great. Yeah, like, full force. Play. Full yeah. force from the start. And, yeah. you know, it's a, I wish we would have beat them, but if anyone's going <laughs> to yeah. win, that was probably the team we wanted to win as a league. Like, right, you know yeah. what I mean? It was like well, a commercial for yeah. that game. And, and you were there too, Dan, yeah. for, for their inaugural game back in 2018. I remember coming up to you while you're, you know, during pregame. And we all remember, Ben, especially you and John, you know, the whole thing with Eddie Brown being there and it, the, the return, the actual return of an AFL team. And I'm sure, Dan, you remember how, oh, yeah. how, how rocking that place was. Dude, that first game was probably louder than it was at the Arena Bowl. It was so loud. It was nuts. Yeah. It was nuts. My brain hurt. <laughs> That's a good thing, man. Like, it, yeah, th- th- that and that's what it. You know, if it, it's got to be in a, in in places like that where you know they care about it. Yeah, they're servicing and, uh, a community. Like, there's a reason for this local group to really care and get behind something. Like, Albany doesn't have a major league team, um, and I always yeah. liked the AFL cities that were sort of the smaller, mm-hmm. sort of mid tier cities. Yeah, that, medium cities. Yeah, yeah. that really. Yeah. Yeah. We're filling a void in the community. Yeah, man. I remember when I, re- I, I, I first got in the league, and then I read uh, War on the Floor. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I, I was able to relate to some of it because, you know, I was still working a, a, my part-time job in season. And they talked about how some of those guys actually, you know, lived in Albany and then would work their jobs. And, and, right. um, and then they talk about touchdown Eddie Brown being uncoverable and all that stuff. And, you know, they talk about being in – where was it? The Pepsi Center or something in Milwaukee? And uh, well, it's Pe- Pepsi Arena in in Albany. I'm trying to remember what what what's the uh, was it the Bradley Center in Milwaukee? That's what it was. And he was talking about how they had a game against them, and he was describing their uniforms. And then I remember thinking back to the last time we played Milwaukee was on an NFL Network game, and they wore their throwback purple uniforms. Uh, yes, that's awesome. I remember. Yep. Yep. And I just thought, you know, hey man, this is cool. They're writing books about this. This yeah. is gonna, this is gonna last Certainly. forever. This is a professional, real awesome thing. And then, yeah, I want to say every single year until my last year, I played with less teams in the league than the year before. But did you feel like uh, toward the end? What was your opinion on the league from the inside? Because for a while, the league was looking like it was shrinking, and you know, players' pay wasn't getting better, and. I was sort of getting like a little bit pissed about that mostly. Yeah. And and based on where it was before obviously like in the 2000s, but it felt like we were getting there toward the end. Like did you have a more optimistic feeling? I thought, I thought this last year, yes, I thought we were in the midst of ascension. Yeah. And and then for it to them to say, "Hey, if we don't drum up some some funding in the next 3 months, we're going to close doors." And then they said, yeah. "You know what? Yeah. We're not even going to yeah. wait 3 months. Let's just close it down now." Yeah, so bad. Yeah. Really was shocking. Uh, I mean, it was a great final year. Yeah. Um, but, I thought so too. And, yeah. yeah. But I mean, who knows? I, I I think they're having issues with insurance and all yeah. sorts of the, stuff. The, the not lawsuit. Just one, not, not just that one lawsuit. I I bet there's all sorts of stuff tied up that we don't know about. That. That's pretty so, true. So one 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 lawsuit of a couple million bucks is going to shut down the league. There's no way. Yeah. No, so, I'm sure the AFL had a ton of skeletons that. 
The new owners probably yeah, and, 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 and yeah, and I bet these new owners were trying to run from it and just were trying to just gain as much money and funding as they could, and they just it just caught up to them. Yeah, because I think Albany. I bet Albany would still play right now if one other arena team said, "I'll play you ten times this year." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and they and they would have good attendance. Damn right. And Tommy Gray would <laughs> throw another hundred touchdowns. <laughs> Were uh, you following but, the Luke uh, Collis, uh, Luke Collis going viral situation? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous, isn't it? That was I said, Luke, what what happened? He goes, I got there so late. It was the only seat in the whole place. Oh my god. Oh, really? <laughs> ben, yes. hold on a second, Dan. Dan before, you, Dan, before you continue, Ben, give a little bit of context for those who don't know what we're talking about. What, what Luke Collis for. No, it, or, yeah, Dan, go ahead. No, you got it. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Former Philadelphia Soul quarterback and teammate of Dan Rodabaugh, Luke Collis, uh, arrived at the Democratic debate uh, two debates ago. And as Dan just colored in, he apparently found the only seat available left, and it was directly behind the moderators. So everyone on Twitter went insane. I can't remember right now what the nickname they were calling it. It was something with his beard. It was like hot beard guy or something like that. He basically <laughs> was highly sexualized on Twitter. Um, yeah, I think his Twitter and Instagram accounts it went up a lot. But I'll tell you what, Luke, Luke, is, Luke is one of the smartest, funniest guys I know. And I know he, he's in politics, heavily involved, or he – I think Luke could run for president. How cool would that be if we had someone who played in the Arena League run for president? That'd be great. That could be that. That would be big for us. He could bring the league back by executive order. <laughs> With that beard, that, that beard alone could bring. I know the, the beard back. has so much power. <laughs> like almost too much power. That's funny. That's so, funny. That was that was huge. Um, we're talking about you know uh, Collis, former players, et cetera, and and and, hit, and historical players. We're talking about Eddie Brown before. Was there ever a, a player that you knew of? And obviously, you, you you got to know the Arena Football League as as the years went by that you played and you saw the, uh, well, I think it was maybe two or three Hall of Fame classes that that were announced. Was there any other player or, or maybe a, a current player that was in an, on another team just recently that you wish you had been able to play with that you never got a chance to? Um, those are really good questions. Uh, Virgil Gray, Virgil mm. was a really good player on defense. And we felt like he was always making plays all over the field. And every week you watch him on film, he's he's all over the place making great plays. But uh, I think it would have been fun to, ha- to have him and pick his brain and go against him every day in practice because, you know, iron sharpens iron. And uh, I don't know, it would have been cool to play with Nick, uh, you know, or, you know, if we were alternating reps or something like that. But it would be cool to <laughs> – it'd be cool to uh to have you know another guy like that be able to talk shop and and just uh bounce things off each other but uh man i got to play with some really good ones over the years and uh the honor of playing against a lot of some other really good ones so i had a blast and uh you know i'll go to war with the guys i had against anybody but uh yeah virgil i think would, would be a great one to uh to be a teammate with that's cool um were there is there a player out there who may have had a reputation, whether it be good or bad, but his, the reputation was completely not warranted. And if you don't want to mention a player I, that I understand, but you ever had? Did you ever come across a player that whether you on your a teammate or with somebody? You played and his against? reputation was was not warranted. Well, was say for instance, if somebody had somebody was calling somebody you know a prima donna, but in the actual case, it was just a it was like a character on the field. It wasn't actually the case off the field. Uh. Hmm. 
No, no, they don't say the same thing about you too often if it isn't true, you know what I mean? But uh, there's some guys I played with, uh, you know, who uh, let their pads and their play do a lot more talking than than you probably might think they would on the the sideline. Like uh, Reynolds, for instance, you know, he's very soft-spoken. He's very smart. He's a great communicator, but he goes out there and plays real physical football, Mm -hmm. you know, and it might be the opposite of, of what you think. Or somebody like Rayshon Kaiser. Uh, I remember Ray Kaiser, very quiet guy, but uh, come game day, he's fired up out there and he's making big play after big play, but you probably couldn't get a peep out of Ray all week. <laughs> and then uh, Adam Smith, the big old lineman, he's exactly what you think when you think of a big old lineman. So okay. he's the opposite of what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he is a big, stinky old lineman, but uh, <laughs> good player. But I mean, yeah, you know, uh, uh, all my years in Philly, you know, we we had some really tight teams, so uh, you know, nothing really stood out as, as as someone we didn't think they were, or you know, we got to know them on and off the field. So I I don't have any too good of examples of that, but yeah, Kaiser was a real quiet guy, and then on game day he'd come alive. Okay, um, for those who don't know, uh, is you're going to be taking up your first coaching job this year uh, in one of the other indoor leagues in the IFL. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, you're going to be paired with uh, two other, three other play, uh, people that you have either had coaches or as teammates um, already. Um, what's your uh, what's your th- your thoughts right now on being a uh, being a coach for the first time, being behind the clipboard, so to speak, and not being under center? Yeah. Uh, well, for one, it's. Uh... I don't want to say I'm nervous, but I'm looking forward to to calling that first play. You know, a lot of guys say, uh, "Oh, I need to I need to get that first hit, and then uh, I'll, I'll be ready to go." Well, it'd be nice to go out there and call the touchdown play on the first one. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> and then everyone keeps asking me, "Is Clint really going to let you call the play?" I said, "Well, we better score <laughs> on that first drive just to make sure." <laughs> so. Uh, did you? Did any part of you want to play, or were you just automatically? Yeah, like, man, I, I would love. I would love. I would love to continue to play, but you know, situation's not right right now. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. The IFL. Uh, these guys run around too much. I, I think that that <laughs> ship has gone and sailed. Not to say that I can't. I just don't want to. Right. And, uh, right, right. It's <laughs> yeah, a I'm not trying to go out sure. there and get smacked. That was part of the great thing about <laughs> arena football is if you know what you're doing, and you're. You can protect yourself a little out there. So, uh, right, you didn't go down uh, that much. No, like you know, Clint taught me, and he we mastered the the quick game, and then I had yeah. some good linemen. And you know, if you're holding the ball, I mean, Albany was able to do it, but traditionally holding the ball, going those five step routes for a long time, uh, gets your quarterback killed, or you know, gets your receivers killed into the wall. But yeah, you know, they made it work. But I'm looking forward to it. You know, uh, I know uh, Romaine and I will both be first year coaches, but we've been in the same system for, you know, better part of a decade and coach really instilled a lot of trust in us our last few years in Philly too. And, you know, he would, he'd probably would have called us coaches already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what coach Ewart is, uh, he's a blessing to have too, man. He is great to work with him and I have been working in the run game and, and getting all this hammered out. And he's got a lot of experience and he's a good recruiter. And, uh, I mean, and then you got Dalzell, he's, uh, I mean, he's probably the greatest coach I've ever been around, without a doubt. And uh, it comes so naturally to him. He understands football. It's, it's just a, a another language to him that he just understands. And, uh, you know, and we're going to do our best to put the kids in, in good situations. And, you know, if we've done our work recruiting. They, these kids will be able to go out there and make, make the plays. Time to make the donuts, you know. 
It's not always about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's sometimes. <laughs> I think if we had a title, that would be it right there. That's a good title. That's a good title, Jimmy's and the Joe's. Uh, um, How much has Clint been like, uh, I don't want to say a safety net because I know that's like, you know, putting it kind of mildly, but as, you know, did, did you feel much more comfortable going into this situation because he was along for the ride? Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, anytime I was just talking about this with someone uh, recently as well, you know, it, it instills a lot of confidence in me to know that he's got that confidence in me. You right. know what I mean? Like, like, in, and uh, I remember at a young age, in, in, well, young arena age, in my first few years, I remember he stood up and he was talking to someone and he said, you know, I'm, I'm taking this kid with me. You know, I don't, <laughs> you know, played a year or two. And, you know, that lets you know, hey, he trusts you, but you got to continue to, to to grow and stay on his good side because, you know, you, you, you're not going to keep around no one who's a loser. Right. And, you know, you got to be able to win games and, and – I think my work ethic and, you know, he's been around me from, you know, 23 to 33. And, you know, you change a lot as a human and as a man in those years. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky. Like he's, I don't want to say safety blanket or safety net, but man, I, I wouldn't want anyone else in my corner. And I'm, I'm glad that I get to be in his, but, uh, I mean, when you're talking football, I mean, man, he's, he's one of the best football minds I've ever seen. He let me play fantasy with him this year and I got second place. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, You've been you're very lucky throughout your career, Dan. When it came to to injuries, I mean, we we've seen some players, and it, it, you know, comes out at the end of the year that ex quarterback or ex wide receiver played um, played the entire or the last half of the season with this, you know, with a, a rotator tear or, or, or whatnot. I know you you yeah. had one recently. I know if it was a oh, I'm, you, you ripped something if I'm not mistaken, and it, and it hurt you in, in the uh, in the playoffs. What what's the story about a, an injury that you may have had? that most fans may not have known about that to at least let them know that you were, you played through the pain or you played through whatever ailment that you had to try to win them a championship. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was looking at something the other day. I think I've, I played 140 something straight games before I missed my first game. And, uh, I think I, that it went from 2010 to 2018 sometime in the 2018 season. And if you count playoff games, I think it was like 140, 145 games in a row. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said I felt 100% for every one of those, you know. It's football. You're going you're gonna to be banged up and stuff. And, I mean, I've had some ankle sprains, broken fingers, stuff like that. I remember one time we're playing Cleveland, and it's at halftime, and I go in there and get my finger x-rayed. It's been all sorts of ways. And it's on my throwing hand, and they x-ray it. And he goes, all right, I got to go warm. I tell him, I said, I got to go warm up. And he goes, well, what are we going to do about your finger? <laughs> he goes, we're going to tape it up. I said, I'm not taping I ain't taping ass up. He goes, well, what are you going to do? I said, we're about to beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse my language, but I can't remember if we won or lost, but my finger hurt the next day. But uh, <laughs> the worst the worst one I can think of probably um, in the first round of the playoffs in 2016, we're playing Tampa, and we had to play in Lehigh Valley because they were doing renovations for to the Wells Fargo. And we're playing Tampa, and I remember we, we run a play and, I get hit and uh, I jam my elbow into the turf, my throwing arm. And, you know, I just thought I'd hit it on my funny bone, hands numb a little bit. So after the game, I take it, you know, I take my gear off and I've got, I popped that, the bursitis sack in my elbow, you know, where you, it, it gets real swollen, all balloons up on you. And, uh, and it got infected on me. Oh. They said it's pretty easy because I had a big turf burn on it and everything. And so I had a, 
my elbow was getting my, was getting something in my joint there, and so I played in the the next week in conference championship against Jacksonville. And on the first play of the game, I'm holding the ball. I throw get crushed, throw a pick six, and my arm goes right into the ground again, oh. and it just like it my elbow about explodes it's bleeding it's pussing it's nasty it's two or three times the size and so we played a game and luckily we won uh that's the game reynolds caught that ball in the corner nope no i'm over there i remember my you know like when you smash your something your hand or something my 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 hand is shaking on the sideline because i hit my elbow so hard click goes you know why your arm's shaking you're holding the damn ball (laughs) (laughs) that's what you get and then after the game they got a good look at me they said okay uh, you got you got to go to the hospital seven in the morning and so i was in the hospital before that game in arizona i believe we had a bye week but i spent three nights in the hospital up there getting my elbow whatever was in there staph infection or whatever getting all that drained out and cleaned out and i was on so, you know, the week before the arena bowl up there in the hospital, I remember I did my interview with uh, Markowitz over the phone from the hospital bed. I never told him. Oh, oh my way. God. That's great. That's great. Wow. Not, I mean, but it's uh, a good detail of colors. The history. Yeah. 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 <laughs> for sure. Wow. That's wild. Well, there, that's the exact story you asked for, Tim. Yeah, it was. That's, there you go. I, and I think it shows. Hey, I, I, like I said, I've got, I got lucky, you know, most of the time. It, you know, sprained ankle or, you know, nothing too serious. You know, I had an AC joint one year. That was pretty painful. Tore my labrum. Yeah, that's, 18, that's the one but, I remember the most. Yeah, the labrum. I remember that. Yeah, I, I'd done it. I did it in the Baltimore game, and then I got crushed in the Albany game at home, and it just blew it all out. And I tried to play. I couldn't even reach under center to get a snap. Clint goes, I'm about to take you out. <laughs> I said no, don't. And then I threw a pick to the jack on like three oh. plays later. He goes, "You're out." Oh, oh. Well, I couldn't even reach up under the center. My arm was hurting so bad. So, but I'll tell you what. There's some guys who go out there and would play every week. And I don't know how. You know, because yeah. I don't care what anyone says. That game, you got to be tough to play arena football, man. Mm. Especially something like wide receiver, because you are gonna get beat up. You know, they're gonna collision the motion you're going to hit the wall you're going to land on the astroturf and then think about the times when you run 40 or 50 yards in high motion and it gets thrown to somebody else <laughs> yeah <laughs> you gotta run back to line Playing rece- I-, I thought those receivers you know those guys were tough i remember tiger jones used to ice his knees before the game i said what that doesn't make sense he goes you'll get it <laughs> <laughs> what was the uh what, what was the worst turf you ever played on I don't know, because when I got in there, there was still some good fields. You know, Cleveland always had a nice field. Yeah, yeah. Um, the turf in Dallas wasn't great. Uh, I don't know. I never thought the Philly field was in very good shape either. It, you know, I think that was really, the original field the from. Yeah. yeah, I think that was the original field from '04 or their first season. And yeah, I thought that was beat up by the end. But uh, shoot, got to play in some cool ones too. You know, uh, I always thought it was cool you go down there in Tampa because the lightning were good yeah. those yeah. last few years in the summer. So it, it would, it'd be hot Florida, but you go in there and it would be nice and cool. It'd be on the ice. Uh, trying to think who else had had some bad stuff. I can't think of any any bad ones in particular. I'm trying to block those out. Those are the games you try to score 80 and just get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, the UCF. Oh, for Orlando. Yes, that was not good. Okay. What about Chicago? What about Chicago? 
You know, I don't remember the 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 turf being being all that bad. That was a cool building. What was that? The Rosemont Arena or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Allstate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Allstate, and it had the wood ceiling or the wood something. I remember that being a cool place. But they had the big back wall. I threw an interception. I was trying to hit Tiger, and I think it hit Tiger. Then it hit the big tall back wall under the net there, and then Vic Hall, who got Defensive Player of the Year as a rookie, I think snagged it off the wall or the back of the net or something. Um. Of all the arenas that you played in, which one was the most quirkiest? Because you're talking about, you know, bad walls. Orlando had something. San Jose had something. Uh, what were the, you know, you had your places where you loved to play and you hated to play, but what was the one of the arenas that you hated to play just because of the quirks? I mean, I didn't, I don't know. Are, were you a guy who liked to having the rounded uh, end zones? No, hated the rounded walls. Yeah. It, no, it, it, those are for the defense. And uh, you look at all the teams that had rounded walls, they were coached by defensive guys normally. <laughs> um, I don't know that that weird spot in Arizona where if you kick it off, it's dead. It oh would hit yeah, that. yeah, yeah. The, the media, that, that, media was, row. that was yeah, that was funky. Um, they had some open spots in their wall in funny spots too that were kind of quirky. Um, yeah, San Jose had that one corner that was like in play. Um, I don't know. I can't think of any any place that was just terrible. Spokane was. Uh, those early years in Spokane was just jamming. Yeah. And I remember uh, they didn't have a bathroom or anything, and you had to go about two miles if you needed to, <laughs> you know, do that Wait, during the game. Well, okay, so the bench would be so far away mm-hmm. from your locker room. Uh, and they did everything they could to keep – Make it further. Yeah, or, you know, any home field advantage and stuff right. like that. I actually – I. I think they had to put a porta potty over there because I think someone just said, huh. "Screw it!" One day, I think I heard that. <laughs> or then you think of L.A. with the crazy band oh playing and the girls in the in the cages. Like this, that man, was, it was a the heck best of a thing ride. Or the worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> I can't tell which. <laughs> I can't tell either, man. <laughs> Actually, hey Dan, you remember us being in that "quote unquote" compound in Stockton for the Arena Bowl? I remember you, you know, playing ping pong. Or something oh like that. yeah. We were just because yeah. of the area that we were in, guys. It was the, it was like a, a it was like our own compound that we were. The hotel was like a giant. It was compound. a nice little hotel, yeah. and then the arena. No, you didn't go anywhere. Else. It, no, That's you cool. didn't, go, you didn't yeah. go anywhere else in Stockton. <laughs> <laughs> If you did, you drove by car. That was a good game. That that, that was the last uh, signing of the actual Foster Trophy. Yep. <laughs> oh no. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. We got the little one in Philly. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. We 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 would have to at least ask, and we know that, as I mentioned before, is that yeah, we can understand that sometimes stories have to, you know, names have to change in stories so they don't they don't either piss people off or say who they really happened, but we, we got to hear at least if, if possible, tell us, tell us one of your most favorite stories is something that happened to you, your teammates or, or whatever it may have been that, um, that, that we, we, you think that we would really love to hear. Oh gosh. Good, good or bad language, uh, or, language or not. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I'm, I, I, some of these, are, you know, I've sworn to my brothers. I can't tell I these. I get that. I get some that. of these. I get that. Uh, I don't know. There's a, there, there's some really good ones. Uh, so uh, <laughs> we, we we played one game in Florida, and uh, we won. We beat someone. We, you know, and uh, it was a big game. <laughs> and 
a guy we had on the team, he claimed to be able to chug a beer faster than anybody could chug a beer. <laughs> and he can chug a beer faster than anybody else in the world can chug a beer. I promise. Like it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And he wasn't on the team for very long. Like we brought him <laughs> in for a playoff game or two and we'd done it before in the, in the past. He was a big lineman. I'm not going to say his name or anything, no, no. but, uh, so we, we win this big game in Florida and we go to the after party and we're having it at our, at our hotel. And you know, the owners, it's a big game. It's the game before the big game. And, uh, so he's done this trick, you know, he pours his beer into a Dixie cup or a solo cup, whatever. And he just can, t- he takes it like a shot. And so all night long, me and a couple of other guys are like, do that thing where you, you drink the beer real fast, man, do the thing. So he's probably done it 10 or 12 times. And then the owners come over oh, yeah. <laughs> and we're all like, Josh, you got to see how fast this guy can chug a beer. <laughs> so he chugs this beer and they take a, someone's like, yeah, let me get a picture of all you guys. And I don't know where the picture is, but it's an actual like printed out picture of all of us. We got our arms around, it's like a couple coaches, a couple owners. And then this guy is in the corner of the picture, just schnockered. <laughs> you know we're all smiling and he looks like he's shotgunned about 15 beers oh, man. there's been some other ones too where they're like hey you guys gotta wake your players up out of the lobby you oh, know? My God. oh no <laughs> oh yeah you didn't know the afl stood for the all fun league <laughs> I no, but so, so, oh man I, they, they, i've got i've got some buddies you know and uh that's what part of this is about. Like I'm, some of my fondest memories are, you know, in Philly, we would do team cookouts and, you know, just on a day off or 4th of July, you know, stuff like that. You know, we just, we go, the whole team would be there. We would play beanbags, cornhole, washers, you know, bring your wives, your girlfriends, well, you know, and a, a big cookout. And those are the things that, that, that really stick with you and, and getting to know each other's families and, and, and developing uh you know real you know genuine care about each other and you know, that's that's part of the the reason why our teams in philly were successful too is because you know we we understood each other and on and off the field and when you build that closeness it's uh it's something special but i could tell you know the crazy war stories all day i just uh they, they're not always uh for everybody yeah yeah not not always for public consumption we we get it no not always you know even though some <laughs> of it was consumed in public if you know what I'm <laughs> oh, oh man um i remember one time dusty bear and i missed a uh missed a flight home oh my god and uh yeah it was a crazy night and a crazy morning but uh we'll leave it at that <laughs> um dan when when People think of you as, as as a quarterback in the Arena Football League, um, what you did for the city of Philadelphia, the championships that you brought them, the games that you won. Um, what what do you want fans, not necessarily of Philadelphia, but fans from across the Arena Football League, want them to remember you most about? I don't know. Just that, I love the game. I, I love to play the game. I, I play with a passion. You know, I, I, I try to leave it all out there every week. And, you know, I, I I liked being an ambassador for this league. You know, I loved it when, you know, they they have a, a, a Philly commercial or something, and you know, you see fans from 2012 through 2018. You know, I saw kids who started playing football when they were in seventh grade come to the Soul Camp, you know, a little uh, skills camp that the team would hold, and then, you know, my last few years they're graduating and going and playing college football and talking about how they used to go to Soul games, and you know, and. 
it would just be cool to be remembered as, you know, a, a guy who left it all out there and really cared about the game of arena football and tried to, you know, do it for what it was at its best. So, I don't know, I had a blast, man. I got to meet all sorts of cool people and all sorts of fans, and I'm sure I pissed off my share. You know, when we were on the road, I let them know when we were winning. So, uh, <laughs> I had fun, and uh, I always loved it, how close, you know, the fans could uh, – the type of relationship you could build with the players in this game. And uh, it's special, man. I hope they can bring it back. And it it, it was great. You know, I I just hope they remember me as as being a winner. And uh, because they'll remind you in Philly when you didn't win, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, I I think the one thing that that all three of us have have learned is that you get to know the the player, you know, know, you're just more than players yourself. You know, you're you're, you're actual, you know, human beings, you're great, you know. It's great to get to know, uh, get to know about you, to learn about you. And um, I, I think for us is that um, having a relationship with somebody like yourself, Dan, it it improved us because um, you know we got to know you. That's the main thing. We got to know you, and we really appreciate your friendship. We really greet you. You know, appreciate you being uh, coming on on the pod, on our inaugural pod. And uh, you know, if the league doesn't come back, that's okay. And I know we've been using this, and I hope we're not, you know, saying it too much. But, you know, whether we're players, fans, whatever, we're all part of the arena football family. And we we appreciate you what you did, Dan, and we appreciate having you as a friend. Well, hey, man, the same to you guys. You know, I I really appreciate all the kind words. And then, you know, as much as I love playing it, you know, I love knowing that there were people out there like you guys who were just as passionate about it as we are and, I tell you what, man. Ever since I got in the league, I've been on Arena Fan every day, even in the off season. I'm, I'm, you know, you want to be in tune with with what the fan and and the people are saying, you know, about you or your sport. And uh, you know, it, it it's always great to know that there are people who love it and care about it as much as the players. And uh, you know, all, all those other guys in the huddles with me over the years, you know, they they'll do it again in a heartbeat just to see, you know, that kid's face in the end zone when you throw him a touchdown ball and stuff. And uh, you know, to have guys who understand it and have been in, and involved with it as long as you guys have two men, that's a real honor. And, you know, we thank you guys too. So, uh, hey, anytime you want, man, I'll, I'll always be on. I'll, I'll listen every week. And uh, this is a great thing. And, and good luck to you guys. It really just, appreciate man. it. Thank yeah. you, bro. Yeah, really, really appreciate it, Radabai. It's, uh, again, it's a, uh, we can't, uh, again, we can't thank you anymore. And, uh, um, you know, I had to, well, you're not much on social media except for your Facebook account. So I'm not going to ask you where they can find you on Twitter, even though <laughs> we've been trying to get you on Twitter. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah I, ain't got, I, I don't got a big social media footprint, but, uh, you guys can go to FriscoFighters.com and there get you your go. season ticket. There you go. <laughs> ah, nice plug. Yeah. Well, we wish oh, you're you, good at this. <laughs> yeah, we, we wish you nothing but the best in your first season as a coach, Dan. Um, we're obviously we hope to be able to come and support you one of these days down in Frisco uh, by watching you and the rest of the you know your your Philly teammates doing what you did uh, uh, in a different capacity. But uh, I wish you all the best in 2020, my friend, and uh, we hope to uh, hope to speak with you very very soon. Awesome guys, thanks a bunch, man. I really appreciate it. Well, for a inaugural show, guys, um, I don't think it could have gone any better. It was uh, our pleasure to have Dan Radabaugh with us on the first ep of uh, AFL Rewind. Um, any insights that either of you took away from our from our convo? Um, no. Well, I think the biggest thing is that I didn't quite know when this all went down how players would take it because 
you know, realistically, a lot of people had their jobs just ripped from them. And there's like very little positives you could say to make up for that. Um, but what was nice, I don't know if it's mostly because he's, you know, now in a coaching position and he's sort of moving on. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm saying, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I thought it was nice to have a conversation with someone who was, you know, extremely positive about the AFL. It was it was a positive conversation, whereas with a lot of players, I'm sure they're looking back at the league right now and just being like, you know, WTF, essentially yeah. screw that. Yeah, yeah, like that was BS, which has happened to me my entire life. Tim is currently wrangling with his cat, <laughs> um, which is great. Exclusive AFL yeah, Rewind. This is exclusive. Yeah, this, is, yeah. this stuff only happens on AFL Rewind. Oliver wanted, Oliver wanted to make the wanted to make the initial the original the, the inaugural pod. We're a cat positive podcast. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, I, go ahead, John. Oh, I was just gonna say it was nice to hear some stories out of the vault, so to speak. Yes, um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And, and that's what we're hoping to have, obviously, on the podcast. It's we're hoping that uh, whoever we have will be will be open and tell at least one story. You know, even I said, you know, we were joking, you know. Names may have had to been modified in order to tell the story, but that, that's where that's what we're hoping that will happen in the you know as the series continues um, here on on AFL Rewind. Uh, but I, I, you know, I have to at least ask the question, guys, since we are on the first episode. If you could choose one person that we have to have on the show, who would it be? Ben, I'm thinking. You can edit out the pause, but I want to think about that. <laughs> oh wow. Um... Well, here's a, I would love – okay, here's my answer. I would love to have um, Jerry Kurz on the podcast. I think having someone who, like, is a nuclear element to the league's history, that's, like, a very controversial part of the AFL, which is well known for having, like, a lot of catastrophic things happen to it and continue yeah. to survive. Yeah. I think someone like him, someone like Foster, someone like um, – David Baker, yeah. uh, you know, the, the commissioners that essentially saw the AFL through a period of success and then doom is interesting because it's such a fundamental part of what the league was. And just as a fan and as a player and as a coach, your experience with the AFL was always like, this is going great. This is going great. This is going great. This can't get any better. And then it just like collapses. So I, I think I would like to talk to those people if they're willing. And I doubt they would be. It's just sort of an interesting concept. Yeah, uh, I, I think... I think I would like to, if we can, uh, have Ron Jaworski on the show. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, that would be wonderful. I'm sure we'll get to some notable players and some other uh, big names from the league. But yeah, I think having Jaws on would be a good time. I'm just trying to think of you know, who may be coming up as far as uh, inductees or possible and finalists for, for, the, for the Arena Football Hall of Fame on, on their stories and I think for me is is our first episode, guys, where we get to talk with our very first inductee, whoever that may be. Yeah, because that's be nice. you know, as as Dan said uh, tonight uh, off air, really, that on how he felt what you know what the Hall of Fame is and how much of an honor it is, and I, I'm just I'm looking forward to that. I don't know who it will be, but I'm just looking forward to something like that. So yeah, I, I I'm very excited about the Hall of Fame, particularly because, and I've said this to you guys, I like that it's an active thing that we're 
you know, taking part in that yeah. will reach people and hopefully hopefully honor the, the, the great guys of this league and really provide something in this void that a lot of people are experiencing where the league is gone and they're like, well, what, what the hell am I supposed to do now? Mm-hmm. And obviously the Hall of Fame doesn't make up for that, but it is a necessary step that needs to be taken to solidify the history of this league because the history is all that exists now. There is no league. It's just history. Yeah. And so solidifying that is, I think, an important step, and I'm really glad that we are all together on this to, to make it happen. Yeah, likewise. Uh, like you said, solidifying, I think it will help help close out a chapter. Um, yeah. Hopefully a new chapter will open, though. Uh, but you The know. boys need closure. Yeah, all the yeah. boys need closure. All the boys need closure. That, John and I are holding hands and crying. <laughs> it's fine. Well, guys, uh, obviously with AFL, ten, uh, AFL Tonight and it being retired, I am uh, I'm stoked to have you guys along for the ride for the new for the new beginning and for AFL Rewind because um, we each have our own histories and uh, everything that we've done and, and been able to take part. Um, but again, these are going to be stories for you, the listeners. Uh, if you want to, uh, Les, if you want us to speak with somebody in particular, um, you know, send me an email at uh, at arenafan.com and uh, keep an eye on our social media accounts for when the next episode will be available. So, John, Ben, again, thanks, boys, for for joining us on this new adventure. Uh, It's going to be a very, very fun ride. So, uh, for everybody here at AFL Rewind, for Ben Virginale, for John Stark, I'm Tim Capper. Watch the rebound off the net. 